This is the best, most fun I have ever, ever, ever had on a podcast. This is a hit. I'm Jesse Cole, your host of Business Done Differently, where we get to meet successful people who look at business differently, and we get to know them in a different way. Remember that everybody's tribal, everybody wants to belong. If you don't give people a reason to be in your tribe, they will find another. And I think so many people just live on the surface and talking about the weather and how busy they are and what they do, not about what really matters. Today's guest is leadership expert Dov Barron. Dov is the host and executive producer of the Leadership and Loyalty Show. Barron's show has had millions of downloads and is ranked as the top leadership podcast for Fortune 500 executives. It's also been chosen as the number one podcast to make you a better leader. Dov has been named one of the top 100 leadership speakers to hire by Inc. Magazine, and he's also a presenter of a TV show, Pursuing Deep Greatness on Roku TV. He's also the best-selling author of Fiercely Loyal, How High-Performing Companies Develop and Retain Top Talent. Dov is a leader among leaders and leading the way with his full Monty leadership. Dov, welcome to Business Done Differently. Thanks, Jess. It's a pleasure to be here, man. I'm excited. I'm pumped to have some fun. We've talked before, and I'm really excited. Your story, you've really done so much in a short period of time. But I wanted to start off with a segment called Start Me Up with Story Time. And you wrote an article, an entrepreneur, no one cares what you do, but your story could make them cry. Now, (laughs) you wrote, think about your story. What does it say? More importantly, how does it make people feel? You got to give us a little bit about your story and how it makes people feel. Um, desperate and they want to jump off a bridge. <laughs> um, my story, as you know, Jesse, is, is, a, is a big story. There's a lot to it and a lot of moving parts to it. But the, 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 the critical piece in that story is in June 1990, uh, I was an adrenaline junkie. I was at the top of my game. I felt like I was just reaching for higher and higher levels of success. But I, I was also an adrenaline junkie. And on that particular day, I was with the sun on my back, the warm breeze across my face and the ragged rocks against my calloused hands. I reached for a rock at about 120 feet, so 12 stories. It dislodged a bigger rock that set, hit me in the face and sent me hurtling down to the boulders below when my body was smashed to pieces. And uh, what's interesting about it is on that particular day, I didn't only fall 12 stories at 120 feet. I fell 120 feet from a self-imposed pedestal and landed on my ego. It really was the end of my life as I'd known it. And it was the opportunity to break me open and reveal the truth of who I am at a purpose level. Mm. So, I mean, that was literally rock bottom. Yeah, that's uh, it's, it's a bad metaphor, but it's a very true one. Yeah, it, it, I mean, you know, I, I often say broken up, to use Khalil Gibran's quote, it broke open the shell of my understanding of who I was. Mm. Made me re-examine that and really look at why I was doing what I was doing. What was really driving it? Was it was it passion? Was it purpose? And there's a distinction. Mm. And and what did you see that distinction? How did purpose become a fit for you on that day in, in 1990? Well, it's interesting because before that, um, I was I was two consecutive years. I was working seven days a week. I was just loving the, the success. I was loving what I was doing. I was loving the attention, all those kinds of things. And then when I fell, all that came to an, a grinding halt. And that really was a hard, hard reset for me. Dark depression, uh, loneliness, uh, anger, rage even. And 
I came to this place where I, I just kept asking, why me? I felt like I was so on purpose in my life. I was so passionate about what it was that I was doing. And it was, to be honest with you, there was about, if I, I'm going to fast forward about six years and multiple reconstructive surgeries later, and I was delivering a five-day training. And at the end of this five-day training, this lady came up to me to very generously uh, show gratitude to me. And she came up to me and she said, I would like to thank you on behalf of my grandchildren. And I must have looked very confused because there was no way this lady was old enough to be a granny. Yeah. So I was like, how many grandkids do you have? And she said, I don't have any. Okay. And she said, but when they arrive, because of what I've learned from you about purpose and my purpose, I'll be able to add genuine value to their lives. Hmm. And prior to 1990, that would have made me feel so really great about what I was doing because it would have fed my ego. But in that moment, I felt completely humbled. I felt like she had given me far more than I'd ever given her. And I realized in that moment, and in that moment, it hit me quite literally like a boulder to the head, that I had believed previously that my purpose was there to serve my life. And in that moment, I got it that I was there to serve my purpose, which is not the other way around. And that's the distinction. So, I mean, we, we're going deep right away, Dov. And I like this. So, so, I mean, to serve your purpose, what was your purpose before that moment? And then what, what is your purpose then and now? Well, it's interesting because I don't know that the purpose has changed. I don't think it does change. Okay. But my understanding of it changed. So, you see, my purpose before was something that would give me things that I would be able to get stuff because I was working my purpose, because mm-hmm. I was living in my purpose. I was, getting, I was getting attention. I was getting business. I was getting speaking gigs around the world. I was getting all those kinds of things. So it seemed like I was getting it. You know, mm-hmm. but once I once I realized what purpose truly is, I realized that purpose is not about what you get; it's about what you give. Mm-hmm. So happiness comes from what we from what we from what we get, but but fulfillment comes from what we give. It's what we bring to the world. And so, obviously, it sounds like that's driving you now, and all your successes has become because of this mantra. But what does your business and life look like today? <laughs> Um, well, today I am, as you know, I'm a speaker, and as you mentioned, I'm a speaker. I speak internationally. I speak on large platforms. I work with companies and organizations, helping them build a culture of loyalty. But it's purpose-driven leaders driving purpose-driven organizations to, to create purpose-driven cultures. So that's what I do at that level. I work one-on-one with high-level entrepreneurs, business leaders, athletes, entertainers, etc. Um, so, and of course, as you know, I have my podcast, so, and write for a bunch of outlets as well. So that's kind of the business model, but it's all driven from my purpose. Mm. It's all driven from what it, coming back to that. So at any given day, in any given moment, that's what I always come back to is why am I here? So when I'm faced with a challenge, when I'm faced with an opportunity, it's not just challenges, opportunities, I come back to this, what is my purpose? What is that? And does this truly align without me manipulating and bullshitting myself as we love to do and saying, is it actually intrinsically tied to my purpose? Mm. So it probably makes your decisions easier, easier. But my question to you, Dov, is how do you change this mindset? Because, you know, I feel most people, at least when they get started, they're generally focused on themselves. Like you said, getting, getting, getting. 
But, yeah. you know, the greatest leaders turn that into giving, giving, giving and focus on others more than themselves. How can, I mean, we, we can literally slap this across people's face and say over and over again on our podcast when we're speaking, but a lot of people don't get it. What do you think is the easiest thing to do to make someone change their mindset and understand their purpose and focus on others? So first thing we got to do is we got to step back a little bit and understand this. So if you're focused on yourself, I'm not here to judge you. I understand that. Um, there are six human needs and the first four of them are all about you. Um, and, and that's okay. We have to survive and we, we need to get over that survival need, that part of us that drives us to make sure you got a roof over your head and food in your belly. And that's okay. But there will come a point where you will have to stop and actually ask yourself, how much is enough? So, you know, it's interesting because if right now I'm going to ask you, the listener, to check in with yourself, I want you to get a pen and write down a number and write down the number that you believe is the number where you can stop focusing on money and can stop focusing on those kinds of things, whatever that number is. So maybe you wrote down half a million in the bank. Maybe you wrote down 10 grand in the bank. Maybe you wrote whatever it is you wrote down. So whatever that number is, and now I want you to really pay attention for a moment. And I want you to know this, that when you reach that number, it won't be enough. Mm. Whatever the number is, it won't be enough. Because you, your ego mind is always going to be driven to survive and it sees everything as a threat. So it feels fear. You have to be bigger than the fear. So my fear comes up all the time. I'm a kid who was born in poverty. So that, that default position of, of fear around money and scarcity, that comes up all the time. I have to come to, why am I here? Not what do I need, why am I here? Here's a question I want you to ask yourself right now. Why are you here? What are you, what are you here to do? Why are you here on the planet? If you can ask yourself, I mean, you've got to ask that question every single day, all day long. Drive yourself freaking nuts with it. Why am I here? Why am I on the planet? Because you're not on the planet to make money. That's a vehicle. It's not who, why you're here on the planet. Mm -hmm. Why are you here? I'll tell you my purpose. I think it might help. But it's not for you to take mine, but to inspire you to look at your own. I'm on this planet. This is why I'm on this planet. This, and when I ask myself this question, I'll be like, why am I here? I am here to bring leaders home to their soul so that they can have the impact that they came to this world to have. And leadership is about creating more leaders, not followers. Now that, I am here to bring you home to your soul to have the impact that you came here to have. Why are you here? Now, you know I'm going to get follow-up questions from that. So what does home to your soul mean? <laughs> yes, of course. Home to your soul is the truth of who you are. It's got nothing to do with religion. So if anybody's thinking it's a religious statement, it's got nothing to do with religion. It, it, so here's my belief. So all purpose, when you find your purpose, you'll find there's a central belief behind it. So the central belief behind my purpose, this is the work that I do with individuals. I help them find that purpose and find a central belief. So my central belief is this, that we're all born whole, complete, and miraculous. You're about to have a baby, Jesse. Is that your first one? You, yes, you better believe it. Right. So here's, I want to just give you a little preview. <laughs> I, I, you know, my eldest daughter is 41 years old. I can clearly remember holding her in my arms. And you will remember this moment, I guarantee you, for the rest of your life. You will hold your newborn baby in your arms. 
with its little head in the palm of your hand and its little legs at the length of your arm, and you will look at that baby and you will see something miraculous. You will see a baby that's whole, complete, and miraculous. You will fall instantly in love, and there's no part of you that will feel like there's something missing. So why the hell do we spend the rest of our lives going, what's wrong with me? Why aren't I this? Why aren't I tall enough? Why aren't I thin enough? Why aren't I pretty enough? Why aren't I smart enough? Why aren't I something enough? You were born whole, complete, and miraculous. And because you are born whole, complete, and miraculous, part of my job in bringing you home to your soul is to remind you of that mm. so that you can have the impact that you were born to have. You know, I love that because I think so many people don't accept where they're at. And, um, you know, content, I've always seen as a negative word, Dov, like to be content. Me too. And I've seen it as a negative word, but, you know, it, it may not be a negative word. But I want to go back where you said, write down what that money that is enough. And, you know, yeah. it's, it's interesting because I immediately thought there's been a study that if you're making $75,000 a year or more, it doesn't matter after that. You know, you've got all the things that you need. But you had the listeners do that. But are you saying that doesn't matter to you? Do you not write down anything financially as far as your goals? Of course, I, I have financial goals, but that's different than, you see, what it is is that we have money and happiness aligned. They're not aligned. Mm. It's a false premise. So you say, you know, I can relax and because and I, 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 I'll be happy when. Mm. And most people are living their lives in this context of I'll be happy when. So, I mean, think about it. You know, you're a kid. You know, I'll be happy when I have to listen to these old grummets who are my parents and who were telling me what to do. I'll be happy when I get out of this freaking house and these rules. And so you get out of the house and you get the rules and, and you move out in your own place. And you go, God, I'll be glad when I got a car so I can drive around or I can have some kind of transport and get some kind of freedom. I'll be happy when I'm old enough to drink. I'll be happy when I when I find a girlfriend or a boyfriend. <laughs> I'll be happy when I find somebody I can fall in love. I'll be happy when we get married. I'll be happy when we have kids. I'll be happy when we can afford a house. And it just goes on and on and on. It never freaking ends until... One day you're like, you know, you're married, you've been married 30 years, you're like, I'll be glad, I'll be happy when she's dead and I got some peace away from the nagging. And then that, then you're miserable and you're on your own and go, I'll be glad when I'm done and mm. I'm out. So I'll be happy when is just a path to misery. 100%. So, and we put it, a lot of it on money. So just stop with that. Yeah. Set the goals. Of course, that's about driving yourself. Mm -hmm. You want to make a million this year, five million next year, whatever it is, 10 million, 100 million, billion. All that's fantastic, mm. but don't pin your happiness to it. You're not here to make money. Money is a scorecard and it's a vehicle that allows you to have even greater impact. Mm. And it's a byproduct. If you have great purpose and deep meaning in what you're doing every single day and you put great work in, the money will take care of itself. And that's what we tell our employees at our team all the time. So, you know, I think this is it, this is fascinating because to me, Doug, you sound like this perfect combination of Simon Sinek with Find Your Why, and you're talking about Find Your Purpose, with Sean Aker and the happiness advantage, basically saying the happier you are, the more successful, the more productive you be. It's not the other way around. And you've combined this. I mean, is that, uh, you know, what full Monty leadership is? Can you explain like full Monty leadership? What is that? Uh, full Monty leadership. So... Um, did you see the movie, The Full Monty? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> right. So for those who didn't, it's about a bunch of English guys who were in a town in the UK where the, where the economy is in the shits and they've got no money. And uh, the equivalent of the Chippendales comes to town and they're cleaning up. They're making a ton of money. And these guys are like, they can't even scrape it together. 
So they figure that they're going to start a dance troupe of male strippers, except these guys are in horrible shape and probably should never take their clothes off. They're they're middle-aged men, yes. (laughs) Yeah, middle-aged defrosting men is (laughs) is what I like to describe. Their physiques, it was defrosting. So uh, these guys um, decide to go do it. And, of course, they fail miserably. And what they work out is, you know, and this is totally aligned with your show, is that the point of differentiation is that the other guys don't go full Monty. They keep their underpants on. Mm-hmm. So they decide that the way to, to make a difference, the way to, to have that point of distinction is to go full Monty and take it all off. And so that was when I was thinking about the leadership style of, that I work with. It's about stripping it all off, not clothing, but the mess that we've worn for years as leaders. You know, when I started in the workforce, when I started in leadership, we were told, don't let anybody see the chink in your arm and never admit you don't know. You can always find out later. Absolutely wrong, dead wrong. Let everybody see the chink in your arm and reveal yourself, be vulnerable. This is what bonds people to you. People are bonded to you in your vulnerability. Hmm. That is what connects people to you, creates loyalty. So when we do the work with leaders and bringing them back to their purpose, that's part of what they reveal to their teams. And the, I mean, you know, this, see, we've talked about this. The average millennial is lasting in a job about 1.2 to 2 years long. That's it. Yeah. Your ROI on them doesn't start until 1.5 to 2 years. So you've invested all this money, you don't get it back. They're moving along because they want meaningful work. Now, what is meaningful work? It's meaning that I'm working for a place where I'm aligned with the purpose of the company. Mm. And if the company and the leader don't have a purpose, why the hell would I stick around? (laughs) Particularly when I can live in my mom's basement for less than 75 grand a year. (laughs) No, you got that right. And I think that's interesting. I mean, I had assumed that full Monty was that vulnerability, stripping it all. My question for you, when you go on stage, do you ever strip at the end of the performance? Uh... (laughs) That's a good idea. No, it's not actually. I actually uh, I had, a, I had a mock-up of, of a book that I did around Full Monty, and I had a guy on the front of it that was just wearing a tie that yeah. covered up his, uh, you know, it was kind of a Trump-length tie, Love it. and it was covering up his Trump. Um, <laughs> I'm just telling you, if you open your performance, you know, you open your speech, and you say, I'm going to talk about Full Monty leadership and rip off the suit, you maybe have underwear on or something, it's going to change everything, Dob. That's how you go viral, right? That's the tip from me for this video. For this That's show your so tip. Thank you. Well, I'm glad it's just the tip. Um, <laughs> oh, All right. Yep. So now we're back on, now we're back in pace here. Now we're doing where we need to go. All right. Now we went deep. Oh, geez, these puns. All right. So we went in a lot of different levels here so far with the show. And your leadership, you talk about purpose, you talk about passion, vulnerability, full Monty. How else do you look at leadership differently? Like if I were to call this segment different strokes, how do you look at leadership differently? Uh, I'm, uh, the simplicity of it, it is what we've just said. I, I see leadership very differently than others in that it is about you have to be purpose-driven. The, the, the difference is that there's authority and then there's leadership. Authority's got nothing to do with leadership. It's got everything to do with being dictatorial. It's got everything to do with the manager. But it's got nothing to do with leadership. Leadership is heart over smart. Mm. Did you get that? Heart over smart. Love it. We've got to be heart first. Mm. You know, the, the fact is you got to the role. You probably are smart. That's how you got to the role. So stop trying to prove it. Mm. Go to your heart. I love that. Go to that. Be vulnerable. Be caring. 
be compassionate, be empathetic. You know, part of the key of great leadership is emotional intelligence. Mm. And the problem with leadership today, I mean, I'm hearing a lot of things about leaders being emotionally intelligent, but then I pay attention to it. It's like, I want to bang my head in the wall because people think emotional intelligence is that I understand people. No, it's not. Mm. It starts with self-knowledge. I understand me, therefore I can manage my reactions to other people, and I can understand empathetically and compassionately their reactions to me and others. Love it. Love it. One of the best lessons I ever received about speaking was speak from the heart, not from the mind. And when you speak from the heart, people will connect. So I love that. All right, Doug, we're going to go into our first game. Are you mentally prepared for this? Uh, Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) All I can tell you is... I am naked right now. <laughs> That's full Monty leadership right here. I'm full Monty, baby. All right, this beautiful. is what it is. And I, and, and I am tattoo free, so beware. <laughs> perfect. That's the perfect segue into business jeopardy leadership style. So, <laughs> so, Okay, I'm looking forward to this. All right, so I've got five different quotes from leaders. Now, their leaders are Martin Luther King. Richard Branson, Henry Ford, Ronald Reagan, and Jeff Bezos. I'm going to give the quote, and you have to say, who is that person? Are you ready? Okay. This entrepreneur said, as a leader of people, you have to be a great listener, a great motivator, be very good at praising, and bringing out the best in people. Uh, I'm going to go with Branson. Yes. Who is Richard Branson? One for one. All right. The leadership expert is one for one. This next one. This leader in the early 1900s developed the eight-hour workday, and his famous quote is, quality means doing it right when no one is watching. Who is Henry Ford? Two for two. All right. Here we go. Your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. Jeff Bezos. Who is Jeff Bezos? Three for three. Here we go. The greatest leader is not necessarily the one who does the greatest things. He is the one who gets the people to do the greatest things. And my only choice is uh, Martin Luther King and I can't remember the almost. Ronald Reagan. Ronnie. You know, I'm going to have to go with Ronnie on this one. Yes. Boom. All right. You are four for four. And if you don't get this one, you're not that great of a leader because there's only one selection left. (laughs) Life's most persistent and urgent question is what are you doing for others? My favorite leader of all time. Yes. Martin Luther King Jr. Yes. Love it. The man who inspired me to be a speaker when I was 10 years old. Wow. How did he, did you just learn about him in school? No. I walked into the living room when I was 10 and my mom was crying. And she was wiping her eyes and pushing her glasses up. And I didn't know why she was crying. I asked her what was going what was wrong. And she pointed at the TV set and she said, he's dead. And I was like, who? And I looked at the screen and it wasn't a movie star. It wasn't anybody I recognized. And it was Martin Luther King giving his I Have a Dream speech. Mm. And, and I was so touched that this black man on the other side of the world, you know, thinking as a kid, right? Mm. Um, were, was impact, and more than that, he was not just black African-American man, he was, he was a Christian minister who was making my Jewish mother cry in another country, and that profoundly impacted me, and I remember going to talk to my uncle, who was kind of a smart guy in the family, and asking him who he was, and he explained to me about how he was influenced by Gandhi, and, and I began to study him and became very interested in him, and that was the inspiration to me, it was this realization that you can have impact 
on people who are thousands and thousands of miles away. Mm. And that's what great leadership is. Great leadership is a ripple. Mm. You drop a rock in a pond and every boat is lifted. And Martin Luther King inspired me to be a speaker that day. Wow. You officially won Business Jeopardy. I mean, that, not only five for five plus the story. All right. You are you are winning so far, Doug. That was great for sharing. All right. We're going to bang through a few more fun segments here. I want to go to Culture Club because you talk a lot about culture. You know me. I care so much about culture as well. Yeah. I want to get some, like maybe two or three quick tips that you could give from Fiercely Loyal on how to build a great company culture. I saw one of your quotes. We're all tribal. We all want to belong. I love that. Yes. Is, is there a few quick tips you could give? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> um, starting there, remember that everybody's tribal. Everybody wants to belong. If you don't give people a reason to be in your tribe, they will find another. So just get that. If you don't love your people, someone else will. So my first tip on that is you have to find out who the specific people are in your team. If you are the CEO, you need to know every member of your executive. You need to know all of their family. You need to know details about them. And you need to create an environment where people can reveal shit that is not business. Give, give, give me, give me a practical way of doing that, Dob. Give me, give me a practical way you've seen that done. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a process we do, an exercise we do, <clears throat> and in which it's a five-layer onion game of revealing. So just start by... Revealing something that is surface. So, you know, uh, what's obvious about me is that I'm male. Something that's less obvious. Uh, I have three grandchildren, the eldest of whom is 23 years old. Something that is a little scary for me, it might be a phobia or whatever it is. And you just work your way down into deeper and deeper levels. And you just keep doing that at cycles. And what happens is people reveal themselves. They, and But it's, you see, here's the key. It has to have reciprocity. When most people don't understand this is the importance of reciprocity. And leaders must go first. Mm. I, as the leader of my team, must be the first one to reveal because I set the model for others to do the same. If you want people to be loyal to you in your culture, go first. That, that's Be willing to do what you're asking others to do. Yeah, 100%. That's interesting. You know, the great book, Leaders Eat Last. So leaders serve themselves last, but in dangerous, scary, vulnerable, uncomfortable situations, leaders go first. Absolutely. Interesting. Leaders eat last, but, but, but go first. All right. Beautiful. Well, then you just, you just kind of uh, gave a great segue. Let's go into, uh, let's reveal the onion a little bit more on you, Dob. Let's, let's go to another game here. Truth and dare. Just do it. Which one would you like first? Um, well, you know, it's interesting because I uh, had a conversation with Jeffrey Shaw. I, we were together in San Diego at an event just last weekend, and he told me that you had done this, Jim, and he went, oh! <laughs> that he almost had a little movement in his underwear when you gave him this. So I'll go with Dare first. All right, this is the first day I've never done this with anyone. Most times I have people sing or do celebrity impersonations, but Dob, I'm going to mix it up with you. If you were okay. to be, if you were to be one animal, just have one animal that would represent you. What would it be? And you have to demonstrate it now. It would be a bear because that's what dove. That's what dove means. A bear. All right. I, I, it sounded almost like kind of like a vi vampire, but you'd be a you'd be a bear. Why would you be a bear? Well, I'm a vampire bear because bears sleep a lot. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right. The first bear on business done differently. Dov, thank you for that. Now, are you ready for your truth? 
I am. All right. Now, you sound like you got, obviously, since that day in 1990, really figured out it had deep meaning and purpose. But there's got to be something that's still holding you back. What is that? Oh, that's a great question, Justin. Thank you very much for asking that. If there's something holding you back, it would be, um, and this will surprise people, but it would be not fully owning my value. What do you mean by that? Um, my friends in my industry, um, where I speak and the work that I do one-on-one with individuals, everybody who knows me well, my peers, all think I'm insanely low priced for what it is that I do. Uh, and, the tr- and, and when my friends who are like me are very direct uh, and love me enough to tell me the truth, will say, so why not? Why don't you, why aren't you charging more? And the answer is, of course, that I'm not valuing myself enough. Self-doubt. That the, that's it. Mm, interesting. All right. I think a lot of people do that. When you start putting yourself in bigger circles, bigger playgrounds in front of the best people in the world, it's hard to see yourself in that value. I mean, I would best even the people like Richard Branson and stuff, they don't see themselves as being the top of their game. No. It, it, so for me, it's, it's, it's not quite that. I, I, I don't certainly don't ever see myself. I, I, a, I don't compare myself to other people. Yes. I just think that there's nothing valuable in that whatsoever. 100%. It, it's not that. Um, it's not by comparison with anybody else, but it's it, it's here's I'll explain this because I think a lot of people will get a lot out of this. It's you have value in what you do, and it's so natural to you, you don't recognize it. Mm. So there are things that I'll say in a conversation with somebody, and they go, holy crap, that blew my freaking mind. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's so common to me that I've devalued it. Mm. So I will give somebody 15 diamonds and I can walk away feeling like I made money or giving them one. And, and I actually have to check myself to say, you know, what is the difference I made? So it's not unusual for me to have a conversation with somebody for 20 minutes in, a, in, in an opening consultation with them. And they go, oh, my God, that's completely changed the direction of my business. I got it. Yeah, brilliant. And I mean, I'm thinking eh, it was nothing. Yeah, I mean one piece <laughs> of yeah one piece of advice can make such a huge, huge impact. So I guess I, I'm really curious. I want to go into a mentor minute. Have you had a mentor that's guided you to success, and how so? Uh, have I had a, guy, a mentor that's guided me to success? No, I've had many, many mentors. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I I'm definitely a believer in do not sell what you don't buy. Mm. Um, I guide and mentor, I coach, and people pay me well to do that. But, you know, I pay a lot of money to have great mentors, uh, and I always have because I need somebody who has the objectivity. Listen, I know you think your best mate or your mom or your dad or your whoever it is can mentor you. They can't. They have bias. Mm. You need somebody who has objectivity, who, who has your best interests, who can love and care about you, but can do it with objectivity, and that's a great mentor. And so I've always had those, and I don't definitely believe in those. And I actually usually have between three and five of them at any given time that I'm working with or helping me or guiding me and directing me. Now, is that – now, curiosity, like, I get asked this a lot about mentors. And, you know, I always say Walt Disney, P.T. Barnum, and Bill Veck, but they're all dead. But I've read all their books, and I'm constantly thinking, what would they do? Now, do you yeah. – so are you saying you have three to five coaches that you're constantly – you know, reaching out to and, and how, how does someone start those relationship, a mentor relationship? Yeah. So 
You're absolutely right. I have many mentors who are no longer with us. Um, <laughs> Khalil Gibran is is right up there for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Khalil Gibran's been gone a very long time, but he, um, he wrote a book called The Prophet, which is my Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the book that I reference uh, that allows me to come back to why I'm here and what it's all about. So yes, I have those. I also have mentors that um, I meet with on a regular basis. And those relationships started usually because of sometimes the person heard me speak. Sometimes we spoke on the same platform and I have strengths that they don't have and they have strengths that I don't have and we might mentor each other. Mm. And sometimes it's somebody I specifically sought out because there's an area of my life or my business that I want to grow in and develop in and I will reach out to that person. Okay. No, I, mean, I think it's fascinating. I think people, you know, don't look to mentors as much as they should. I mean, that's where you really grow. As much as you're reading and podcasting, you need to actually talk to people and hold people accountable. So thank you for sharing. Now I'm intrigued on a marketing minute. You know, what's the best thing you think you've done to grow your brand? You know, that's a great question because as you know, Jesse, I do a lot. <laughs> like we have got a lot of stuff going on. Um, but I, I think uh, the best marketing thing I've done has been my podcast. Yeah. which I've been doing for 10 years, as you know. Um, we're getting a, a half a million downloads a month, and it's just allowed my name to become fairly ubiquitous. It's, diff- it's easy for people to find me. Um, that has been a big thing for me. But, you know, one of the other things for me is being on podcasts like this. I feel, I feel graced and I feel blessed to have the opportunity to be on shows like yours that are fun, that are inspiring, and that are making a difference. And, and I love that people like you take the time and the commitment. People don't realize how much energy it takes to put a show together. And I really hope that as you're listening to this, that you will reach out to Jesse and tell him that you appreciate all the guests that he puts together. He brings on great guests for you. Some of the guests he's had on here are friends of mine that I know well. We were talking about Joe Calloway before we came on, you know, Jeffrey Shaw, John Rule, and you know, you've had great people on this show, and these are people who are not always easy to get hold of. These are people who are paid thousands of dollars for an hour. Come, Jesse brings them on for you, so you can have value. And I'm deeply grateful to have that opportunity to do that. No, I love that. I mean, podcast has changed the game, and it says a lot about you. I mean, ten years going strong and growing it. I mean, you weren't getting a half million downloads when you first started, and you know, it's it's unbelievably resiliency and persistence, and it's a great learning experience, but obviously a great marketing piece for you. Yeah, I'm curious. I already do like a learning leader. You know, you've had so many great guests, but you know, is there any messages from any of your guests that really, really stood out and made an impact for you that you always look back and like, wow, that was an aha moment from one of your guests? Um, you know, that, that, again, another great question. I don't know that there is one. Yeah. Um, because it's over 500 episodes. <laughs> um, so it's kind of difficult to say that. But um, what I will tell you is this is, that the, without doubt, the guests that have impacted me the most are the ones that were the most real, mm-hmm. the most raw, the ones who, who you know, we, we're on a leadership show and we end up talking about drug abuse. We end up talking about coming back from the brink of suicide. Mm-hmm. You know, those, see, this is the thing is that we all like to look at leaders and, and we tend to pe- put people in fixed frames. Oh, you know, look at Jesse. He's so successful, you know, and, and he's done it all because he wears a banana yellow suit. That's bullshit. That's nothing to do with it. Mm. That's, that's certainly a point of differentiation. 
But, you know, you, they don't know how many times you've climbed Success Mountain and fallen down and how many beat, how beaten up you were. And, and the revelation of those things is what endears people to us. And that's what makes us great leaders. Mm. Some of my best guests have talked to me about being at the brink of suicide, being alcoholic, being drug addicts, destroying the things that they love most and then coming back mm. and why they came back and what it was that, that catalyzed that comeback. Mm, because when you hit that bottom, folks, I want you to know, most people hit the bottom, they're carrying a shovel. They're just going to dig deeper. <laughs> and, 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 and you've got to stop digging. And you've got to decide that something bigger, like your purpose, that, that is worth getting out of that hole for, mm. even on the days where it doesn't feel like it. Because mm. there will be days it doesn't feel like it. No, it's great. You know, I was thinking about when you said the people that were being real. You know, I've had a handful of guests that have got emotional, even teared up you know, during the show. And, you know, that is unbelievably authentic. And when you see that, you, you want to connect with them. You're like, you know, they're, they're throwing it all out there. And so many people, you're right, are on the surface. And I think taking that earlier, that onion game, you know, with employees and with anybody, really get to know them beyond the surface. It's not meeting someone and saying, what do you do? You know, get to know them. And I think so many people just live on the surface and talking about the weather and how busy they are and what they do, not about what really matters. So, well, yeah. think about it. When we meet somebody, what do we say? We say we say our name, <laughs> and the next thing we say is what we do, and that's societal conditioning. That, that's crap. What do you What do you do then? When you so you're meeting someone in a network session because it's it's tough for get people over that normal comfortability of doing that. What do you do when you go meet someone at, at anywhere? You know, I, I actually ask them. I say, "What do you want to know? What my job is, or what I do?" <laughs> Because when they say, well, uh, you know, and, and it will always go, uh, um, uh, um, uh, because we're societally conditioned. Yeah. Oh, so they say, well, okay, well, tell me what your job is first, and I'll tell them that. And they say, okay, so what do you do? Uh, and then I tell them my purpose. I love that. I love that. Now, we could talk for a while, but I do want to go into ninth inning with a few fun segments to finish off. First, I want to go with simple life here. And I, I'm, I'm obsessed, Dob, with keeping it simple. I think we complicate things way too much. And as Steve Jobs said, if you keep it simple, you can move mountains. What are you doing these days to simplify your business and your life? Because, Dob, you have so much going on. How are you simplifying? <laughs> so I'm laughing because my life is not simple and I'm always trying to simplify it. So, you know, <laughs> so you're absolutely right. I got so much shit that I'm juggling all the things all the time. But, you know, the, the, the thing that simplifies my life is that simplified it more than anything is learning to delegate. Mm. The simplification of my life lies wholly in two things, delegation and return to purpose. Mm. Everything I do is based on coming back to my purpose, asking the question, does this honestly, truly serve my purpose? If it doesn't, it's pulling me away, mm. not towards. Love it. That's it. And then, Whatever it is, do I need to do that personally or is this someone else? Once I get to that, that's the simplification of my life. You know, if we could teach a course on delegation, it would be a very popular course because it's not an easy thing to do for leaders and uh, because they always believe they can do it better. But if you can delegate and come back to purpose, I think that's uh, right on the track for simplifying your life, Todd. So I love that. I love that. But, I, but if we did the course, I don't know if it would sell well because leaders are holding on. <laughs> They're like, go 
yes, I need to delegate, but I'm not going to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm not doing the course. Because yeah. I don't want to implement. I don't want to do it. Yeah, you got exactly. that right. Exactly. Let's forget that noise. You got that right. All right. It's time for Flip the Script. So now you become the host of Business Done Differently, and you can ask me any question. What is your purpose? <laughs> you knew that was coming, right? I actually didn't. I should have. Uh, I started my book, Find Your Yellow Tux, with my obituary, which people were thrown off. This crazy guy in a yellow tuxedo t- started with his obituary. But when I always think about how do you, how do you want to be remembered? What's the legacy you're going to leave? And we said, you said a lot of the same words that I say. It's impact. And I think about the difference that I can make in people's lives. So I want to inspire people to think different, to stand out, to create their own path and do what they want to do. So my purpose is to do that. And inspire is a word that I wake up every day to inspire people and focus on others, not on myself. So that's it in uh, so many words. Now, my obituary is a little longer. I talk about my family and my impact on that. Sure. But, uh, but obviously, it comes down to the word impact. So deep question. Yeah. Thank you, my man. I, I appreciate that. But, but you also said something in there. You said inspiration, which is, is an undercurrent of, of everything that I do because and I think you're going to connect with this because inspiration comes from the Latin inspiritus. Inspiritus means to be drunk on the essence of the divine. Mm. I want to be drunk on the essence of God, on the essence of the divine. It's not a religious term. Yeah. On the essence of the divine. I want to be, I, I want to be intoxicated with the divine. Mm. And, I want to, and I want to share that beverage with the world. Mm. That's inspiritus. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. And that's all goes back to making a difference and making an impact. And Absolutely. What, and what I love, you know, to inspire, you need to live an insp- inspirational life that's focused on others, not on yourself. And you need to be able to share that. And that's, that's what I think about every day. So, wow, that's great. All right. So that goes into question time. If you want better answers in business, you need to ask better questions. So you just asked me a very deep question, but are there other some best questions that you're asking right now? In what context? Just in general, like what questions? What, what, what makes you curious right now? What are you trying to find out? Uh, I'm, I'm trying to find, always trying to find out what people need. Mm. I'm here to serve. That's my reason for being on the planet is to serve. And I serve via my purpose. But I'm always asking, what do people need? And it's a question that I inherently just ask people because I think very few of us know the difference between what we what we want and what we need. But if you can sort out what you really need, that is where you need to go. So I'm always asking, what do you need? And then I ask, what are you afraid of that stops you getting to what you need? Mm. So, so these are powerful questions to ask. And, and, and here's a question. How can I serve you? You and I had a conversation a few months ago, Jesse. And there's a question I ask you at the end of our conversation. It's a question I ask everybody. I want to, I'm here to serve. So I want, that's a question that keeps me curious. It keeps me curious about the people I'm interacting with. It, 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 it keeps me curious about how I am here as a conduit for other things that I have no idea about yet. Mm, I love that. So I want to, I want to do that. My, my, I'm obsessively curious about all things. And one of the things I would like everybody to know is that the thing that will stunt your life and stunt your mind 
is these three words. I want you to write these words down and then put a red line through them and turn them into your F-U-C-K if you don't swear. I do, so I could say the word, but maybe that's not a lot of the show. <laughs> but make it your word that you can't use, your words that you can't use. Mm. And the words that will kill your mind and kill your curiosity and kill your growth are, I know that. Mm. Every time you say those words, you shut your mind down so you can say, I've heard that. I think I know that, but I'd like to know more. I'm curious because when your mind says, I know that, ask yourself, do I really? And if your mind says, yes, I do, say, am I implementing it? Mm-hmm. And the mind might say yes. And you say, I may, could I implement it even more? And the answer is yes. Then shut up and be curious. <laughs> you know, that's great because I, I, I catch myself once in a while saying, I get it. And it's mean to say, I understand, but you know, to the other person, that's not showing that I want to know more. So that's, that's great. I get it. And I understand may not be the best thing to say and say, I've heard that, but I'd like to know more. I love that. That's mm-hmm. great. And, and what's great, Doug, you know, you, when you ask, how can you serve people, you know, and you're talking about what do people need? What are they afraid of? When you ask those questions, you're finding out a way to serve them. So that is, that is brilliant. That's it. All right. We're going to go to our final segments here. Tool time. Uh-huh. What's the most important tool you have in your business toolbox today? Hmm. The important tool. I, I would say without doubt, my ability to ask questions. That is my number one tool. For me as a human being in the work that I do hmm. is the willingness to always ask a deeper question. And, and I think if you can become a master of questions then you can become a master of empathy, compassion, and service, and genuine leadership. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's my own tool is the ability to ask questions. Um, if we're looking at the context from the context of mindset tools, mm, no, that's perfect. You know, I love that because you think about it. You need to practice. Anybody that's successful, I think they practice. You've heard the ten thousand hour rule, but you've yeah. been, you've been asking questions in a context in front of the whole public for ten years now on your podcast. And with anything, it's probably made you a better question answer, made you be able to get deeper with people, connect more, have better relationships. And I don't think people focus enough on the questions they're asking every day. And I, I love that. Most people tools say, you know, it's my Evernote or it's my calendar, or it's my email. But the ability to ask questions, Dub, you are setting some records on this show. This is definitely going to be one of my top 500 shows. I'll guarantee that. Okay. <laughs> How many have you got? 400? No, no. I'm, I, no, I'm not even up to 100 yet. But no, you'll definitely be in the top 500. Uh, this is great. All right. Final two segments here. Favorites and our final four. What's the favorite part of your morning routine? Favorite part of my morning routine is that every morning I turn to my wife and I thank her for marrying me. I thank her for saying yes when I asked her to marry me and for blessing my life. That's the favorite part of my morning ritual. After hearing this for many years, what does she say every morning after you say thank you? She usually says, you're welcome. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and she usually reply, replies with the same. Uh, she thanks me for marrying her. Oh, uh, that's amazing. That's amazing. All right. What about favorite way to unwind at the end of the day? Uh, favorite way for me to unwind at the end of the day is actually um, sitting with my wife who loves having her feet rubbed and we just she'll sit with her feet up and uh, across me and we watch about 20 minutes to 30 minutes of a comedy mm. before we go to sleep we just like to that's like 
that's the signal. It's full downtime. Oh, I love so it. I rub their feet and we watch the sh- watch a show. Usually, someone like Will and Grace that I've seen God knows how many times. <laughs> you know, and just have a giggle. Just go to sleep in in that laughing place. Love it. You're winning. That's the, the wind down. You're winning husband of the year right now. I love this. All right, this is tough. You mentioned a book earlier, The Prophet, but another favorite book that stands out. <laughs> Khalil Gibran, The Prophet, definitely. Uh, the Road Less Traveled, M. Scott Peck. Ooh, yeah. Excellent. Uh, fantastic book. Um, uh, I would definitely put those two right up there. But again, another one of my Bibles is Richard Bach's Illusions. Okay, excellent. Those are three, though. And there's some other good books by a guy called, uh, what's his name? Doug. Barton, I think his name is. No, not Doug. Maybe Dove. Oh, yeah, I've heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of him, too. Excellent. Favorite magic moment? A moment you will never forget in your life. So many. Holy crap. <laughs> um, my brain just got washed with a bunch of them. Obviously, holding my daughter for the very first time is right up there. Um, holding my grand, one of my grandkids for the very first time oh, is wow. right up there. I love that. But, you know, I got to tell you, it's it's the moment where I stood in front of my wife on our wedding day and she sang to me as a part of the tradition of our marriage was that we gave each other a gift at the, like, underneath the chuppah, which is the, the canopy where we got married. Yeah. And, and we give each other a gift. And my gift to my wife was, uh, my wife is, is taller than I am and she wore heels. <laughs> so my gift to her, because she, she had said that she always wanted to marry a taller man. So my buddy, my best man brought out a stool and I stood on it and said, my gift to you is that you get to marry a man who's taller than you. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, her, her gift to me was that she sang me a song that she wrote called Your Kindness that was about me and that even... Even thinking of it, sorry. Even shit, can't do it. Even thinking of it chokes me up. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing. You know, that's what I love about when I talk to great leaders. The grip base, the best moments in their life are often with family and loved ones. And it's not about things they do in business. And as much success you've had, I just thank you for sharing that. That's amazing. All right, we're gonna bang through the final four here. Finish every show with these. What have you done to stand out in business and in life? What I've done more than anything to stand out in business in life is, and I, I just hate saying this because it sounds so, it's so become so common is I've been real, but I've been authentic, but it bothers me to say it because people don't get what that means. (laughs) It's not about my earrings. It's not about the purple suit that I wear. Not like your yellow. (laughs) It's not about the fact that I dress funky or have great shoes. Mm -hmm. It's not about even that I, Mm -hmm. I'm vulnerable. It's that I'm willing to always put heart above smart, Mm -hmm. heart before height and heart above, heart above smart. Love it. That's what, that's what it is, is that I care deeply. And I think that that's a, a strange point of differentiation, but it's, it's rare. No, it's so true. So true. And if you were to give additional advice to anybody, to someone, you know, coming up to stand out, what would, what would you tell them? Master your story. Mm, yes. Find out what your story is that will create inspiritus in others, that will inspire others. Mm. Because everybody feels not good enough. And maybe your story will remind people 
that they're already whole, complete, and miraculous. That despite the shit that's going on in their life, <laughs> that's not who they are. Love it. The diamond is always hidden inside of the rock. They must be pushed against the wheel to reveal the diamond. Mm. Life will push you against the wheel and it will reveal the diamond that is your purpose. So reveal it through your story. Find your story. Mm. And don't make it some contrived nonsense that you think is cool. <laughs> it's better if it's raw and real. Love Fumble that. through it if you must. Mm. Love it. Beautiful. Final two. Best advice you've received. Best advice I've received um, was be real, but I didn't understand what it meant at the time. <laughs> now I didn't you, understand it at all. Now you do. And then finally, how do you want to be remembered? There's a short version of my, I told you my purpose, but the short version of it is this. I wanted to say, Dal Baron was a father to men. Simple as that. That's it. Wow. Amazing. Dog, we went a lot of places on this show. We had fun. You were a bear. You, I mean, we're, you won Business Jeopardy five for five, and we got really deep about purpose. I can't thank you enough for not only being on the show and sharing your wisdom, but thank you for what you're doing for everyone and sharing this deep purse, purpose and inspiration. You've inspired me today. I know you've inspired the listeners. Where can people learn more about you and what you're doing? Thank you for asking, Jesse. I really appreciate it. And I also want to thank Mesh Manipane for, for the introduction. Thank you, Mesh Manipane. <laughs> um, by the way, I can do a lot of impressions because that would have been a good, good dare for me. Um, however, you can find out more about me at fullmontyleadership.com. Fullmontyleadership.com. You can go there. You can find out about my podcast. You can find out about our blog, which is under icons. You can find me on YouTube, Dove Baron Full Monty Leadership. You can find me on iTunes, Dove Baron uh, Authentic Leadership and Loyalty. You can find me on LinkedIn, on Twitter, at the Dove Baron on Twitter, Dove Baron on LinkedIn, and on Instagram, Dove Baron Leadership, and just about anywhere that you choose to Google D O V B A R O N, you will find me. If you really want to find your purpose and have the impact that you came here to have, reach out to me. I will help you. <laughs> you really do need a simplified job. You're everywhere, my man. And I don't think that's a bad thing. That's impressive. Again, thank you so much for being on the show. Great wisdom, great advice, and a lot of fun. Thanks again. Thank you, my friend. It's been an honor. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Business Done Differently. Our goal is simple, to inspire you to think different, have fun, and stand out in business and in life. For more ways you can stand out in your business, visit findyouryellowtux.com and you can get the Yellow Tux Handbook for free with the six steps to stand out directly from the Find Your Yellow Tux book. Finally, a big shout out to Podcast Pilot for producing the show and making all the magic happen. For questions, ideas, and feedback, I'd love to hear from you. So shoot a note to jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out. Thank you.